Welcome to You Don't Know Mojack. My name is Ryan. My name is Brent. And this episode, we're discussing SST33, the DC3 album, This Is The Dream. We have mentioned DC3 numerous times on this podcast because, of course, Des Kadena, after leaving Black Flag, formed DC3, and it released several albums on SST, and it is a very unique band compared to all the band like they stand out as very distinctive from all the bands that we have heard thus far on the label history lesson part one so uh well i guess we should talk about the uh the members of the band of course des so we know him from black flag des grew up in newark new jersey and uh they his family moved to california when he was 13 his dad ozzy was a jazz bassist and after he settled down, he kind of decided to go behind the scenes, I guess, in the music industry once he had a family. He was also in the military, and he'd come out to uh, California a few, t- few times uh, as a member of the military, and he kind of fell in love with Herm- Hermosa Beach when he was there. So he picked up and moved his family there in 72, and there was a jazz club there called The Lighthouse, fairly uh, famous local Uh, jazz club and he was I think he was booking shows there but he was also doing like some A&R type work I believe uh, for some record labels yeah the the lighthouse was legendary on the west coast for uh, jazz music of the day there are a ton of musicians that played there and there's a lot of really great live albums that were recorded at the lighthouse there is a a live album by Lee Morgan called Live at the Lighthouse, which has been a favorite of mine for for years. Oh, wow. And uh, if anyone wants to check out some SST-related jazz stuff, check out some of those records from the Lighthouse. Yeah. Well, if they came out in the 70s, there's a good chance maybe Ozzy Kadena played a part in you know, booking the show or... Uh, maybe even the recording process. I'm not exactly sure what it, what all his involvement was, but he was very involved with the jazz scene, both in New York and when they moved to Hermosa Beach. And uh, his teenage son, Des Kadena, of course, he first, he first got into jazz, and then like most kids in the early 70s, he got into what we now call classic rock, like Zeppelin and a lot of the British stuff, like Bowie and all that, and... And then he heard the Ramones, and by the time he was 17, he was playing with Red Cross, and a little bit later, of course, he went on to sing and play guitar in Black Flag. And also in this band, a guy we've talked about before, Kurt Markham, who previous to this had been in Overkill, and I think after this, I can't really uh, see where he went musically. So I'm not too sure what he did after DC3. This is the only album he plays on. And uh, the other main member of DC3, who I think is going to go on to play on all three of their studio albums and their one live album that they did for SST, is, of course, Paul Paul Rosler, who uh, is famous for being in The Screamers, one of the most famous undocumented kind of L.A. punk band. They were kind of a synth punk band. Most people that were around the scene back then really lament the fact that they kind of uh, split up with no official 
recordings. There are some demos and some live recordings and various bootlegs and stuff, but no, like they didn't even release a single. So, and he of course is the brother of Kira Rosler, who uh, would go on to play in Black Flag, and she was also briefly in DC Three as well. And we had mentioned before in a previous podcast about how Paul and Kira were also in a, a band together called Twisted Roots with Pat Smear. Right. Yes, they were. We actually, I don't know if everybody saw a couple weeks back, we, we posted the album and uh, there's a few SS con- SST connections that came out of that band. Uh, also, here's a weird thing, Ryan. We were talking last week about Jeff Dahl. So if you go on, and I mean, take this for what it is, it's Wikipedia, but if you go on DC3's Wikipedia page, it says Jeff Dahl was their original drummer. (laughs) (laughs) And only in rehearsals. And so uh, I actually reached out to Jeff Dahl and he said, no, I never jammed with DC3. I wish I could say I did because I always loved them, but I didn't. So unless Wikipedia lied, yeah, (laughs) Wikipedia lied. How dare you, Wikipedia? Well, it could be a different Jeff Dahl, but I doubt it because here's another kind of Jeff Dahl connection that we were talking about last week. So Bruce Duff, who we talked about, because we were, I think, how did he come up? Vox Pop, maybe he played in. Did he play in that band with Jeff Dahl? Right. So Vox Pop came up, and you mentioned Jeff Dahl, and I was like, oh, have you read that book written by Bruce Duff called The Smell of Death? Right. Well, uh, so Bruce Duff is on this album. He sings on four tracks, We Feel the Sky, I Believe It, I Hope Tomorrow's a Better Day. Sorry, three tracks. Bruce Duff, a.k.a. Screaming Lord Duff, (laughs) was really around the scene a lot. He played, as we mentioned, in Jeff Dahl's band, on for sure on Vomit, Wet, Kiss, and I can't remember what other album. And uh, he was in ADZ, I I think we mentioned that last week. I think he was briefly in 45 Grave, as was Paul Rosler, I believe. Yep. And he, I didn't know this, but I, so I looked him up on Discogs. He played in a, on this album that I have always loved by this semi-obscure band called Jesters of Destiny. You ever heard of them? Absolutely not. (laughs) Well, if you ever get a chance to check out their album, Fun at the Funeral, it's a great album. It's been reissued a few, a few times. Do you know that? Finnish band Circle? Nope. Okay, well, they're a pretty cool kind of a kraut rock band. Well, they're all over the place. They kind what are Jesters of Destiny like? Jesters of Destiny are kind of like a goofy metal band, but their songs are really good. Uh, maybe almost a bit of a 45 Gravish sound to them. Um, well, I might be giving away too much, but you, you lost me at metal. <laughs> they're not really a metal band. More of a hard rock band. They actually, so they released this, and then I think they had an EP of all covers, if I'm remembering right. I can dig them up. I have both of them. And then just, it was either last year or in 2017 or 2016, I can't remember which, they also released a new album. I don't know I don't know anything about it. I don't own that one. I don't know if Bruce Duff is on it. But uh, that Fun at the Funeral is a really killer album. And he was also in Bug Lamp with Keith Morris. Oh, yeah, but they didn't release anything, did they? I think there might be an unreleased album or some demos that have been bootlegged. Oh. Don't quote me on that. I think the only thing they, I think they officially released is they did... I can't remember what track they do on a Ramones tribute album. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got that. The Gabba Gabba Hey yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've never but, been able to, to locate anything by bug lamp, but I haven't really looked that hard. Yeah, I kinda wanna I I know in Keith's book, um he in Keith Morris's book, he does talk a fair amount about bug lamp. So I kinda yeah. I want kinda wanna go back and read that now that Bruce Duff is kind of on my radar. I wanna yeah, know well, I, I wanna know more about Bruce Duff now. I guess I gotta yeah, get you that gotta book. Read, you gotta read that book. <laughs> yeah. And uh on that Gabba Gabba Hey tribute album that you're talking about, Jeff Dahl does Chinese rocks. That's right, yeah. Yeah, Jeff Dahl's great. I've got I'm pretty sure all of his solo albums and I mean so he he's kind of done all kinds of stuff. He played with Poison Idea, he's done stuff with the Dead Boys, he was briefly in the Angry Samoans, and uh, a band called Power Trip, Vox Pop, who we mentioned. But I've always kind of liked his solo stuff. He's kind of more of like a Johnny Thunders, New York Dolls kind of a sound, which is oh, yeah. my, right, that's my bag, right? So anyways, that's kind of DC3. Uh, as we mentioned, uh, Kira was originally their bass player, and then Black Flag kind of poached her. And this will be the last album as a trio. After this, they're going to be a four-piece for the rest of their their career. So we should also mention there's no bassist on this album. Paul, yeah, Paul, Ross, Paul Rossler plays bass keyboard. Yeah, and I think, like, if you played this for somebody who you know, doesn't know that there's no bass player. I don't know if they'd be able to tell. He does a really good job. Yeah, it's pretty hard to tell, and you really have to listen to notice just some of the, I mean, I guess the feel is what stood out to me, because I definitely, when I listened to it the first time, did not realize that, but I was reading the jacket while listening to it, and I was like, oh, there's no bass player, and then I started listening to it, more closely and it's like oh yeah okay so it it just the slurring of the notes and whatnot it sounds like when you really are focused on it you can tell that the feel is a bit different than an actual stringed instrument yeah that's really all i have to say about kind of history lesson part one and how the band got going i don't know a lot more about it i mean des had left black flag in 83 so you know, this is a couple years after he left the band already. So, I, you know, I don't know what their incubation period was like. You know, like how long they were jamming and stuff. Um, it seemed like there was a lot of jamming going on back then. Yeah, we, we had mentioned in a previous podcast about how, you know, DC3 was kind of jamming in the basement um, yeah. of SST, right? Yeah. Well, there's a bit of info on the actual release itself. You want to get into it? Yeah, let's do that. History Lesson, Part 2. Okay, so DC3, This is a Dream. It's uh, it's a really different record, and I'm going to come clean. You probably had some sort of inkling about this. Um, I think on a previous podcast, Brent, you character characterized yourself as more of a classic rock guy than I am. Yeah. And and that's that's absolutely true. And because although I you know I don't I don't mind the record, it is not really up my alley personally. This this type of sound, this type of music, 
they mention a band, like they kind of mention some of the, the bands on the back that they were inspiring them. And I totally get it when I, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute, but I don't know. I, it's, it's good musicianship. It's good songs. It's just not up my alley, but I bet you, you really like this record. I love it. Yeah, I really do. And I mean, some of those bands, they mentioned Deep Purple, for example, I don't really hear Deep Purple when I hear this. Maybe a little bit in Dez's leads. He kind of uses his whammy bar the same way like Richie Blackmore uses his when he's soloing. I'm sure Richie Blackmore was an influence on his guitar playing, but uh, another band I think they mention on the back is Captain Beyond. They sound a lot more like Captain Beyond than they do um, Deep Purple. I don't know if it mentions Hawkwind, but there's definitely some Hawkwind stuff going on with like kind of the... uh, the spacey interludes and stuff. What it remind yep. a, a band it reminded me of most is probably Blue Oyster Cult. If and you know that's a band that a lot of those guys listen to. I mean, uh, the Minutemen covered them for sure. And if you listen to BOC albums like Secret Treaties and uh, Tyranny and Mutation, which has the song the Minutemen cover on it, Red and the Black. Uh, I don't know. I hear. I hear a connection for sure. Deep Deep Purple is more of like a neoclassical almost. Like they they have, like John Lord plays a Hammond. You know what I mean? And he, and, and there's, there's some serious, like, like John Lord did like, uh, wrote classical music and, uh, Richie Blackmore has done classical stuff. And, so there was, you know, a lot more of a neoclassical uh, element to Deep Purple, and I don't hear that with DC3 at all. Yeah, for me, I I mean, I actually heard some Deep Purple in it, but I don't know Deep Purple as much as you do. You know, I, I'm not really a Deep Purple fan. I'm actually more of a, a Captain Beyond fan. I really like their first record. Yeah, their first um, record's great. I always, I always really loved that record because... What the thing that struck me about the first Captain Beyond record is there's no distortion on the guitars, hey? Yeah. Like, it's just volume, and I always really like that. And it's it's a great rock record, but I wouldn't call that a metal record, per se. No. Um, but let's, here, let's read the quote off the back of the jacket, because I think this is, it's really enlightening about what DC3 were trying to do here. It says, DC3 started out as a concept a group of friends getting together in the studio to record an album in the style of the records that used to excite us when we were young, such as Deep Purple's Machine Head, Captain Beyond, Humble Pie, Mountain, etc. You get the idea. In this, our very first recording effort, I think we've accomplished that goal. I appreciate all the people and bands that helped helped put love and other strange emotions in my heart. This is obviously from Des. And he says, this dream is DC3's first shot at the pot, so to speak. We hope you all enjoy it. And then there's a big, long thank you list. Yeah. But it's it's clear, I mean, we've spoken about how, you know, Des wanted to move away from being the vocalist of Black Flag. He wanted to focus more on guitar and... uh was really into classic rock, especially 70s rock. Henry Rollins always talks about um, a lot of 
bands like the ones we just mentioned that Des was turning people onto, including like Pink Fairies and stuff like that. So it's no surprise that this was kind of, you know, a big dream for for Des to put together this band. Mountain is a band you can hear in this too, for sure. What's the other band he mentions? Humble Pie. Humble Pie. Yeah. That's uh, Steve Marriott when he left the Small Faces. And uh, you know who the guitar player was in uh, Humble Pie? I do not. Oh, Ryan. <laughs> you said it. You're more of a classical rock guy than I am. And and for the record, if I'm not a classic rock guy, what kind of guy am I anyways? <laughs> who is the guitarist? Mr. Peter Frampton. Pete Frampton Pete. was in Humble Pie? Yeah. Oh, God. You're not answering my question. If I'm not a classic rock guy, what kind of guy am I? Neoclassical? Yeah. I know how much you like Ingve Malmsteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not so much. I do. Um, well, since we're uh, kind of on the back cover, Ryan, do you want to finish talking about the artwork? And then I'll... I kind of wrote some notes on the on the songs. Yeah, sure. So the cover art, it looks like... I think it's like a piece of coral, what it looks like to me. Um, and then just kind of normal, I, I guess, kind of not not that crazy font saying DC3 and this is the dream, the album title. The back of the album, again, is kind of a photo of some aquatic life. Looks like, I don't know, maybe some sea anemones or jellyfish or something like that. The uh, the cover photography was by Carl Rossler, and the back cover insets were by Naomi Peterson, Des and Paul, and then Ed Culver took the picture of Kurt. Hey, I just realized something. When you said that it's fish in a coral, I bet you that is Kira and Paul's dad, because I'm pretty sure I remember reading he's an underwater photographer. Oh really? Yeah. Well, that would make that would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, and it. I mean, you have to look pretty close to figure out what it is, and then as soon as you realize it, you're like, "Oh yeah, that's that's." I didn't realize it. That's why I didn't make that connection until you you said it. So. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I mean, you just take a second, and then you focus, and it it jumps out at you, and, I mean, they're kind. It looks like. At least the back cover maybe looks like it was manipulated a bit to turn a bit purple, but definitely uh, it fits the fits, I guess, the psychedelic kind of vibe of this record. Anyways, the photos are kind of interesting, taken by Naomi Peterson and Ed Culver. Like Des, he totally looks like I don't know. He just looks like the seventies, right? To yep. me, anyways. Beard, shaggy hair. I assume that's Paul Rossler in the middle with, it looks like dreadlocks. Yep. Um, and then uh, Kurt Markham looks, I don't know, kind of like just some dude in a, a baseball cap. Yeah. He, he, he kind of doesn't fit the picture almost. You mentioned already additional backing vocals by Bruce Duff. It was produced by Spot and DC3, engineered by Spot, recorded at Total Access, in uh in june of 84 december of 84 and january of 85 so over quite some time they recorded this record yeah it all hangs together though it all kind of it it fits together 
yeah. sound wise. There's got a lot of overdubs on it, so uh, maybe they did the beds at some point and then went back in and did overdubs. Yep. And I've already mentioned kind of the the back explanation from Des Kadena. He has a big long a big long thank you list, but we, we alluded to some of this before, but it's worth mentioning. He thanks Joe Carducci and also Kira Rossler, and he says, whose influence on this material is felt, obviously alluding to the fact that she was an early member yep. of the band. Uh, Joe Baez at Red Cross, Black Flag, Steve McDonald from Red Cross, who I'm going to see in the Melvins again right away here. i got to rub that in. St. <laughs> Vitus, um, a, bo- a bunch of people, lots of Rosslers, like five or six. The band Twisted Roots, which we mentioned before. Some members of the Kadena family. Ozzy Kadena is mentioned here with uh, Mrs. It says Mr. and Mrs. Ozzy Kadena, mom and dad. And then it says, and last but most importantly, the New York Giants. We bleed blue. Thank you all. Well, Des is a New Yorker, so originally. I mean, you know, I think... We uh, we never you never see thank you lists really on SST releases maybe the Minutemen maybe Husker Du too I don't know maybe there's more than I'm realizing just off the top of my head but I really think this album was kind of a, a realization of a dream for Des. So, it's really pers- it's a really personal record yeah. for me like it, my interpretation of it yeah and again it's it's one of those things where you know I'm not really a fan but I really appreciate it. Why don't you uh, walk us through the songs, Brant? Okay. So it starts off with We Feel the Sky. And these are just my quick notes that I wrote down. I, and I I really like that song, We Feel the Sky. It starts with an acoustic version of the title track riff, which I thought was interesting that they kind of use that riff twice. I thought that was a cool idea. Later in the song, it almost gets a little proggy at times which i thought was cool because i'm a big prog rock guy the second song i believe it is interesting because it's there's a earlier version of it on the 82 demos done with black flag and on that it's called what can you believe this this version is far superior to that one in my opinion um i don't like the lyrics on that one i don't like the way rollins sings it he almost kind of wraps the verses which just doesn't sound good and this version's way better and then the next like three songs i think they are are kind of almost like you know prog rock style are under the same banner as i believe it it kind of yeah, it's like it's like it has different movements yeah the song yeah so apparent doom it segs right out of i believe it and that's kind of like a spacey jam kind of like a hawkwind kind of a thing Ain't No Time Here Now is also on the 82 demos. It's got the exact same lyrics almost as that one. It's a lot closer to the to that version. That's a really good song. And then it ends with Overtime, which is more of a... It's another kind of a psychedelic freakout, but it's almost a little funky at times. Which, I mean, that's a bit of a throwback to Deep Purple. Like, they had... Uh, when... When... Uh, Ian Gillen left on vocals and they brought in David Coverdale and Glenn Hughes on bass when Roger Glover quit. They got a little funky and especially on 
uh, Burn and, and Stormbringer, the two albums they did with that lineup. Or maybe there's a third album, I can't remember right now. But uh, it sounds a little bit like that, maybe. And then the title track is next, This Is The Dream. And the, the only note I wrote for that one is Under the Influence of Meat Puppets. <laughs> yeah. that, could t- that could totally be a Meat Puppet song. Yeah. And it's good, I like it. Flip over to side two. And it starts with a backwards message, which is a total throwback to 70s albums. And uh, did you wind that one back, Ryan? Yeah, I did. I actually, I'll I'll be honest, I did not notice it. I just thought it was like, I don't know, some some crazy tape manipulation or whatever. And I, I played it through. Didn't realize it until you told me to check it out. I grew up in the 80s listening to, you know, my friend's parents' record collection, and we were always winding back, like, Zeppelin albums and Sabbath albums. Lots of them have, like, super obvious uh, backwards messages. Some of them just had rumored backwards messages, like Stairway to Heaven, for example. So we were yeah, always this, looking for them. This one is actually on the end of side one. Oh, right. Yep. I think, yeah, I think you had mentioned it starts side two. It yep. ends the track, This is the Dream, and... You know, I I would just be listening to it. This is the dream would taper off and then it would be some just kind of weird sounds. And I totally missed it until you mentioned it. So I wound it back and um, much to your chagrin, it was not a satanic message. Damn it. <laughs> did it tell you to like kill yourself or anything? At no, least? Did not. it didn't say Paul is dead either. Damn it. Yeah, <laughs> it says... Uh, Quote, love, feel, laugh, sing, scream, cry, hurt, touch. Those words kind of repeated over three times in a row, kind of starting more spoken and then over time kind of getting more animated, more of a yell near the end. All so right. I, by the time I figured it out, I was kind of like, well, that was a waste of time. Yeah. All right. <laughs> now we're going to flip it over to side two. We started with Twisting, Twisted and Turning Inside, written solely by Paul Paul Rosler. It's one of the more classic rock-sounding uh, songs. Everything on side A is credited solely to Des Kadena, I should say. Uh, this one is solely credited to Paul. I like the guitar tone better on this. I should say, I don't love the guitar tone on this. It's a very SST spot-sounding guitar tone. I don't know if they were DIing the guitars or what they were doing it sounds i don't know it sounds a lot like uh the saint vitus debut to me the tone i don't love it some of these songs when they double the guitars with an acoustic guitar underneath it it sounds a bit better this one sounds really good the the tone on twisted and turning and sound inside it sounds like they've got a wah it's going through a wah pedal and they've got it cocked all the way up and it sounds good it almost sounds to me like something Zappa might have done. Did you? You're a big Zappa guy. Did you get that at all? Uh, it didn't really jump out at me that way. I mean, Zappa was the master of the wah during a solo, for sure. Yeah. Um, but it didn't jump out at me. Listen to it again, Twisted and Turning Inside, with that in mind. I think you'll okay. see it. I definitely can see Zappa doing something like it. And, yeah, you, uh, know, you know, I mean... I, as much as I didn't really 
love this record. I am going to give it another try after hearing from you about it because, I mean, there's so, there's something there, and I want to give it a try. And you know as well as I do, sometimes those records that are a sleeper for you, they're the ones that stick with you for life. Yeah, I tell this I tell the story all the time when I'm when I'm trying to like help people understand. Like for me, when I listen to music, and I listen to music a ton of different ways, um, but there are certain records that sink in for life. Every now and then, there's one of those, right? Yeah. And one of the ones for me was uh, this record. And you know, I'm a big fan of Faith No More. That album, Angel Dust, when it came out, I just I was just like, what? is this i hate it you know and then i listened to it again like honestly like three years later yeah and i and i finally got it and it's one of my favorite faith no more records of all time still to this day i still listen to it and so i do want to give records that i kind of maybe don't give enough of a fair chance a second chance and i think You'll help me open on my ears. I'm going to listen for Zappa on that song. Yeah. This is a good album, man. Um, Twisted and Turning Inside also uh, has a cool uh, middle section where it kind of slows down and it's got a great solo. And the the, the riff to the song is very Sabbath-esque. You know, lots of people think Sabbath is just this sludgy doom kind of thing, but they have up-tempo songs. And this one sounds a lot like uh, they have a really cool track called Hole in the Sky, which is the opening track on their Sabotage album. It's kind of reminiscent of that. It's really good. Oh, the song Hole in the Sky by Black Sabbath? Yeah. Coffin yeah, Break? So, yeah, okay. Yeah. I can't help I can't help but mention the cover by Coffin Break because I love Coffin Break so much. But I Sabbath, yeah. I was a I was a very, very late entrant to Black Sabbath. Like I wrote them off as as like kind of, you know, shredding metal and i was just ignorant of them and you know who got me into sabbath was listening to the melvins and soundgarden yeah okay so the next track is dance of the imbeciles and that has paul rosler on vocals and it's a co-write between him and des that's got more of a 70s hard rock sound it's got a really cool jam uh, to end the song des rips it up real hard on the leads it's pretty great and you can just tell when you listen to it that they extended that jam live for sure and uh, i love the end of the song it ends with like a piano ballad almost it sounds like the song ends and it's like a completely different song kind of in the like the coda of the song it's really cool at first i was like is that like a sample of something but I couldn't, I couldn't figure out what it was. If anybody knows if it is, I, I assume it's just Paul Rosler playing like, playing on the piano, but it's almost like a Beatlesque kind of thing. It's really cool. Uh, then we go to I Hope Tomorrow's A Better Day. It's a really catchy song with great lyrics. And we end with an instrumental song called 98 Malvern Street. Maybe they're, that's where they jammed maybe, I don't know. Very Sabbath-esque riff. Uh, as I said, it's instrumental. You can really hear Paul hold down the bass on, on that one and like on his left hand. So it's, it's notable for that. And, uh, it's really great. I like, you know, most of the stuff Des has been involved in. Uh, did you ever hear that album Vita? 
not not the not the live DC three album, but the band Vita. I think I've heard of them. Yeah. I don't know why that rings a bell. Well, they did an album in '95, and it's got George Hurley on drums, and Tom Tricoli plays guitar on it too. It's really good. Vita. Yeah. And th- who? And what's the connection? Well, Des is in it. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's the band he formed after this. What label is it on? I can't remember. Not SST or anything. Not any of the SST related stuff. And uh, Des's vocals, I really liked on this. They almost at times reminded me. I kept thinking of jack grissom from tsol a little bit oh yeah yeah i can see that yeah i don't know the drumming's good kurt markham's a good drummer man apparently he quit the band uh when they started talking about touring he wasn't down with with the touring yeah well no slight to kurt but when you look at his picture on the back of the three of them he looks like the least likely to tour yeah <laughs> Yeah, so that's, you know, that those are my thoughts on kind of the tracks. We should do runoff grooves and then we'll do the ballot result. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I didn't look at these. I probably should have because I'm terrible at reading them. Here we go. Side A says, oh, my gosh, I can't read this. I kudo Rama Shelshai spot. <laughs> Kitama Banana Taseya. Hmm. I wonder yeah. if this this might be one of the last spot recordings. We'll find out here. I'm, actually, I bet he did uh, October Faction, but we'll we'll see when we get there. But we're coming to the end of the spot era, I think, pretty yeah. soon. Yeah, I was actually thinking about that during the New Day Rising podcast because I know I I come to the defense of spot quite often. I was thinking. You know, although I am totally cool with the sound of New Day Rising, you cannot deny that Flip Your Wig is on a different level sound-wise. Yeah. This album sounds great. I love, like, you know, the ideas they had when they were recording it for all the overdubs. And it's just, the guitar tone is just weak to me. Yeah. At times. Other times it's good. Okay, so B-side, run out grooves. Oh, sorry. I I I thought you did all of them there. No, that was side A. Oh boy, I'm not even. I'm not even sure. I I I got any one of those words proper. But here's side B. I think I'll have a better shot. So side B says, "My psychiatrist loves me. She won't understand." And that's it. All right, that's uh, that's it for the Des Kadena three. Let's do the ballot result. Ballot result. I'm assuming I get to pick it, Ryan? Yeah, you're more of a classic rock guy than I am. I have to be honest, man. I had a really hard time picking a song. I really like this album. It's all good. I, You know, other than the live album, we're not going to get a chance with any of these songs again. I really like uh, We Feel the Sky is a really good song. Uh, Twisted and Turning Inside is cool. Uh, but I picked I Hope Tomorrow's a Better Day. Oh, really? Yeah. That's the one with the piano outro? No. Or is that... No, that's Dance of the Imbeciles. That's... Yes, Dance of the Imbeciles. That's really okay. good, too. Oh, the whole album's really good, man. Give it another listen. Okay. I will. Ryan, what's okay. next week? Oh, man. It's more Minutemen. It's SST 34. 
Project Mersh. I like that one. Looking forward oh, yeah. to that. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. 